Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Amen. Praise God this morning. If you have a Bible today, will you turn to the book of Hebrews? And um, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. It's probably one of the most heavy book in the Bible. It has its own phenomenal attributes and qualities. But Hebrews is particularly beautiful uh, reading because it's... Um, it was written, you know, in the sort of mid-60s of A.D., so A.D. 64 to 169, they estimate that the, this book was written. The author is debated, although I do come down on the side, I do believe it was the Apostle Paul, even though some think it might have been Barnabas. Some maybe think it was maybe Apollos. He was a very eloquent and elegant and uh, speaker. And, um, but it's, it's, it was a book that was written to the Jews that, that had converted to Christianity. So these are uh, Jews that had left uh, the, the, uh, the Jewish faith and had become Christians. And now at this time in their life, they're under, under excessive pressure to turn back from Christianity. They're under pressure on, on, on many fronts. The Nero had started his persecution in Rome towards the Christians, and so they're under pressure there. Uh, to, to, to deny the Lord. And then they're under pressure from their own families and community because in the Jewish culture, to, uh, to leave the Jewish faith at that time, and I think it's some, somewhere the same even today among some sections of Judaism, that if you were to leave and, and become a Christian, you were cut off from your heritage, you were cut out of your inheritance, um, other Jews wouldn't buy off you, wouldn't sell to you, and so there was a huge pressure upon them economically, you know, when they had become Christians. They had forsaken an awful lot. They had come under intense pressure to bend. And, and of course, when you're at low emotional moments, maybe when you're under pressure, uh, when, people, uh, when people pressurize you, when you're under other pressures, sometimes it's easy for you to kind of falter. And so this book is written to those Jewish men and women who had become Christians because they're now beginning to look back at the, Juda- the Judaism and the, the Jewish faith and begin to maybe imbibe some of it back into their practices. And, and so the book is beautifully put together because it's all about the in, in, indemnity, uh, indemnifying Christ as being the covenant, uh, being the, the Passover lamb, you know, to, being superior to the Aaronic heritage, superior to angels, superior to the Torah, you know, and in every way this begins to, it begins to build the picture of Christ back into, to encourage them in their faith, to show them the totality of the salvation of the new covenant, and to, to, to contrast that against the old covenant where they came from. And so the writer does that very beautifully to the different chapters. Very early on in chapter 2, he lays out a, a very stark verse. He says something like this, he said, and, you know, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And uh, this morning I want to kind of talk about that on some level, because uh, chapter 10, as many of you will know already, is already a very, very pointed area of Scripture. I think it's not just pointed, but I think it's, very, I think it's a very encouraging Scripture, because I believe it's written by the author not to be pointed, to, but to tell the truth that there's a greater reality to the gospel, regardless of how you may feel and how you, you, you lean. There is the grace of God to see you through difficult times. And, and so that's the whole writing, is to exhort and encourage the body, 
And so these Jewish believers are under massive, intense pressure to go back to Judaism. And I want to tell the Christian, what is common back then is common now. There will be times in your journey as a Christian that others will try to bend you to their will, bend you back to a direction where you came from, and show you every reason why it wasn't all that bad, and there was probably some good things there. And I want to tell you this morning, don't turn back, amen. Don't look back, don't shrink back. That's not where we're called to be, amen. It's onward and upwards, and we've started a journey. And so let me just read to you. Um, we're looking at... We're going to read from verse 21. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse, let's do verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' Lord died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be for those thought worthy who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which you were illuminated. You endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, for it has great reward." For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe for the saving of the soul. Amen. And again, this, re this reading is not, people like to kind of take verses out of the Bible to prove some sort of narrative. You have to understand what he's writing to, who he's writing to, why he's writing the, the epistle for, and contextualize every verse in that area, friends. Amen. So we have these men and women that are under intense pressure, and some of them are beginning to buckle. Some of them are beginning to endorse Jewish practices again. Some of them are going back to the shadow. You know, Paul talks about that the things of the Torah and the Old Covenant were a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality which is found in Christ. 
You know, many people today are going back to the shadow of religion. They're going back to the shadow of works. They're going back to self-endeavor. You know, they're hugging the shadow. Can you imagine if, you know, one of your loved ones came back from a, from a long trip away or they were away for many years and they're coming back from Australia or America and you're there at Cork Airport to greet them and as they walk out, the sun is shining and you see the shadow on the ground. You're not going to go down and start hugging the shadow now, are you? You're going to start hugging the person, okay? And that's what they're doing. They're hugging the shadow on the ground. They're hugging something that was of the past that had absolutely no reality for today and the person of Christ had arrived and the writer of the Hebrews is bringing out this glorious picture of this person of Jesus. This amazing picture, the superiority over the angels, the superiority over the works of Moses and the law and the Torah, you know, the, the high priesthood of Christ, the eternal priesthood of Christ, the sacrifice that was once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, where the old covenant had a fleshly priest that could only go once a year into the Holy of Holies and we couldn't have continual intercession for the people. They had to offer a sacrifice that couldn't take away sins, you know, and so they, he talks about the superiority of Jesus in all these ways and pointing out the obvious to them. So this is something that you need to remember, Christian, that what, what was possible for them is also possible for us. Jesus said, in the end times, the hearts of many will wax cold. That's the old English. I love when it means wax cold because if you ever watch a candle burning and you see it becoming liquid and fluid, God wants that. But when it starts to cool down, it starts to, it starts to, it starts to form again. And that's what the Bible is saying. We need to stay in the, in the very heat of God's presence, in the very moment of what God is saying and doing, and fight for that ground. Fight for it. Not go back to the to the hardness of the law again. And so these Christians, you know, they, and, and so there's, there's, there's this natural leaning. Now, you know, you and I might find that you know, quite appalling. But I want to tell you, you live long enough, friends, you can have sort of second-guessing yourself. And it all happens with a little bit of neglect. It all happens when just a little bit of carelessness. The word neglect, when he said, how should you escape? The word neglect, if you neglect such a great salvation, it means to become a little careless with. The word neglect means not to pay attention to. To become a little careless with the things of God. To become careless with the word of God. To be careless with the, with the promises of God. Become careless with the commission of God. To become careless with the vocation of God. To become careless with the title that God has put upon you. Not just son and daughter, but ambassador and laborers and co-laborers, you know. And, and, and the body of Christ, the different components that make up the action of God's testimony here on the world. And to become a little careless with that. And this is what was happening in the lives of these men and women. It's an appalling possibility, friends. But when you take your eyes off Christ... When all of a sudden you start a little folding of the arms, a little sort of letting go of the pattern of lifestyle that every Christian should adopt. Every Christian should be living in the presence of God. Every Christian should be drawing from the presence of God. Every Christian should be feeding from the Word of God. Every Christian should be in fellowship. Every Christian should be part of the work of God. I hope you can say amen. You may be in a wheelchair. You may have a poor heart. You might have poor health, but you can be part of the work of God. You can pray. Amen. You can give. You can help. You can encourage. I saw a little one of these pictures that people post from time to time, and it, it looked like a, a veteran. You know, he had no legs. He was, he was in a wheelchair in the middle of this big church auditorium. And there he is in the wheelchair, and he's got a hoover. 
and he's hoovering from the wheelchair. I want to tell you, friends, nothing can stop you from serving the Lord. Amen. Even ill health. And there's something that began to hold the hearts of these men and women. Persecution, sometimes the weariness of many years under trial and trouble. But he, he wants to encourage them. He says, you know, remember the earlier times. And I, I just want to maybe bring that thought to you because there is that reality, friends, of tepid, lukewarm Christianity. It is barking at the door of every Christian. It's possible for you and it's possible for me. But it's highly improbable, friends, if we live by faith. And actually, it's impossible. Because the just is living by faith. And faith, friends, we'll go on to that in a moment. Faith has its rewards every time. You know, he, he, he starts to tell them. He starts to encourage them. Remember the earlier times. Remember the former times. They did not allow their early conflicts to dim their spiritual joy. There was a time in their relationship with God, and that is the same with you and I on various levels, but, but it's a reality. There's times in that earlier time of faith, friends, where we stood in the great contest, as you said. Recall the former times when you were first illuminated, when the Holy Spirit came into you. You endured such a great struggle. Wow, it wasn't easy to get in the door of Cork Church. It wasn't easy to come to an altar or wherever that may have been for you. You had to fight hell, the world, and your own flesh, and your, maybe your mom and your dad or your husband or all of them put together combined. But it was the earlier days you stood in that contest because you felt in your spirit, he stood in a great contest for me, and I surely will not deny him on earth before men. Something so gripped you. You were so passionate. And this is what the writer is saying. He's talking about the obvious things about a tepid Christianity. But he's pointing back. He says, look at the earlier days. Come on. Don't let it all be for nothing. Don't let all those years that you stood. And on open airs. And feeding the poor. And preaching the gospel. And giving of your tithe. And coming to prayer meetings. And encouraging people at bus stops or workplaces or wherever God has put you. That's the sort of man and woman that you are. Don't let it all be for nothing, he's saying. Don't let it all be just a part of my history. Don't become tepid. Don't become dull. Don't become one of these Christians that all of a sudden you begin to, you begin to deny the very truths that you have walked in and lived all your life. And Hebrews, as it begins to come to a conclusion, Hebrews starts to round out here at chapter 10 as it goes through the rest of the chapters. Because he builds the picture of Christ. He builds such an elegant picture of who he is and what he did and what he, how he is so powerful compared to every other theological view of justification. Every other theological way of being saved that men have explored and men have tried and men have tried to invent and men have tried to exp expo export and expose. He brings Christ as so far better. And that's the reality, friends. As a Christian, I've talked to people who are atheists all the time. You know, and the first thing I always try to do is get them to believe in theism, that there is a God. Because once you get a man believing there must be a God, then the natural conclusion, the only God worth serving of any sort of concept in this world today, bar none, is Jesus Christ. Even the, even the apologists for the atheists would concede to that. If there is a God, he must be God, the God Yahweh of the Bible. It must be Jesus. I've heard them say it so many times. They're still not at that place. But when you become convinced... 
and persuaded of who he is like these men did, then, friends, there's a walk for you to walk out. There's a Christian journey for you to endure to the end, the Bible says. And you have to walk that journey by faith every day. But as this book begins to close out from chapter 10 onwards, it is bringing men to a natural conclusion of walking away from God, but then to a higher, higher understanding of the grace of God and what God has done in their lives. And then he starts to get them to remember. Remember, you endured such a great struggle with suffering. Partly you were made a spectacle. The word spectacle literally refers to a group, a small herd of the sheep or cattle that people are gathering around and just looking at them and ridiculing them. In this context, it means to ridicule a small herd of sheep. You know, oh, that's a bit scrawny. They're a bit weak. They're, and you endure that. How many times, oh, you're going to that dorky church? Are you going to that dorky little prayer meeting? Are you going into that place? Oh, they're all losers in there. Oh, they're all ex-junkies and prostitutes. and what? Are all the born-again Christians ex-something or other? My answer is absolutely. Thank God. It's the sick that needs the doctor. They just don't know they're sick yet. They got terminal illness and they haven't even understood it. You know, at least we came to a place and understood that, my God, I needed a touch from God. I need a touch from heaven, and my life is going nowhere very fast. Many of you who are watching or listening this morning, some of the, most of the road is behind you now, and there's less road ahead of you, and you still don't know who you are or what you're about. But I pray you listen on this morning because God has a call for you. And you, Christian, too, you've come so much, so far down this journey. The exhortation is to bring you back to remember. You know, it says in the scripture, remember the rock that you were cut from, remember the quarry that you were dug out of, friends. Remember the great, the mighty gulf that God that spanned at Calvary for you. How he reached down into your life when you were indifferent. You had no expectation of spirituality. Many of us weren't even looking for God. I was 12 years old. I was looking for a girlfriend. I was looking for everything but God. But I remember, God has brought me back many times to remember back. A boy of 12. What's your testimony, Christian? Mine is a boy of 12. Seeing with my own eyes a, a spiritual visitation into my home where my mom and dad become gloriously saved. Wandering inside, not fully comprehending, but knowing something powerful has happened in my home. I have no idea of theology. I have no idea of doctrine. All I know is that I see something of God and I remember imbibing it at 12, becoming a Christian at 12 years of age. I remember, and you have to remember, when was you? When was your time? Where was it, friend? Who, showed, who, who shared the name of Jesus with you? I remember going to baptism, not fully understanding even at 12, but knowing it was what a Christian would do. I didn't understand all the typology. I got baptized, but I felt the touch of God. I remember someone bringing a photograph up to me and my mom and my dad, and they, they said, they took a photograph, and that photograph went to Australia, and it came back all those years later saying that someone prophesied over me that I was going to be a minister. I mean, I heard that at 13 years of age, a year later. I, never, I remember sitting in a Sunday morning meeting as a, as a 12 and a half, 13-year-old boy. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit coming upon me. Nobody laid hands. I wasn't even seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to speak in tongues. And I didn't want to tell my mom and dad because at that stage, I was still thumping my younger brothers. 
At that stage, I still got conflicts going in. I'm not making my bed. I'm not always doing the right thing at home. I've still got my issues. You're 12 and a half. Of course you do. But the goodness of God. The goodness of God. And I'm speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking, it can't be. I'm, I, I'm sure I'm the biggest hypocrite. I'm coming into puberty. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? How could God fill a young boy with the Holy Spirit? And you're contending with all changes going on in your life. But the goodness of God. I look back. I remember. I remember standing in open airs, preaching at 12 and a half with my mom and my dad and in other places around the country, 13 and 14, running from drunks, ducking and diving bottles, preaching and praying everywhere we could, dropping tracks. I remember the early days. It's good to remember them. It's good to see what God was doing in me. It wasn't me, it was him. Some of the stuff was so crazy and outlandish you couldn't write it, friends, because that's not the script of a young person. It's the leading of God. And so it is for you in so many years of your life. When you came out of darkness, the Holy Spirit came upon you. You began to witness. You began to share. And this is what he's saying to these Jewish believers. You had a great struggle. Okay, they took your wealth from you. They took your job from you. Okay, you got cut out of your inheritance. But you joyfully accepted it. Hallelujah. You joyfully accepted it. And he's stirring them. He's stirring them, friends. No cost is great enough for us to make for this salvation, friends. No cost is great enough for us to make for serving the Lord and for journeying with Him, friends. It's worth it. The fruit of walking with God is worth it, even though we suffer momentarily, friends. There's a greater weight of glory that goes ahead of you and I. And we are living in a time where the, where the propensity of many is to walk away from the gospel or at least just become camouflaged. You know, blend into the background of society. Keep your mouth shut. Don't stand. Say nothing. It's like the old Manic Street preachers. If you tolerate this, then your children will be next. And the rot starts coming into the family because as the head goes, so does the body. As you go and manifest, so do your children. Well, I want to call you back this morning, Christian. I want to call you back to be an end times testimony for the Lord. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be at the end, friends. May that be of you as it is of them. They were giving in marriage and they were, they were dying and burying and all those things, friends. But I want it for you to be differently as it was at the beginning of your walk with the Lord. So shall it be at the end that you would go out with a blaze of glory. That you would go out with the fire of God in you. That there would be something so grip you in your spirit and your heart that it's all in. It's all or nothing because the hour needs it, friends. This world needs a testimony. It doesn't need another religious person. It needs a man or a woman full of God, convinced of the gospel, and standing up in a time where men and women are absolutely inept. They have no idea how to string a thought together. They don't know if they're men or women. They don't know if they're bi, pi, pan, or whatever you want to call it, 200 different genders out there. They're so confused, friends. They need men and women to say, this is the way walk in it. They need men and women that will stand up and be counted and stand up for Jesus. And the author and the finish of our faith, oh, Christian, listen to me today. I say this to you this morning out of a genuine sense of burden for the hour that we are living in. God is calling you back. Remember what he's done in your life. Remember who you are. Remember the work of grace that started to work through. And this is the pleading of the writer of the Hebrews. He's pleading with them. You had compassion on me. There was times when we Christians, we, you know, we used to, my mom still does it, church in chains. He said, when I was in my chains, you had compassion upon me. This is Paul talking, I believe, in Romans. When he's in Roman chains, I believe they had, they had visited and had compassion upon him. You know, I, there was times, friends, when missions, even in our churches, was through the roof. 
There was times, friends, in our churches when Christians went above and beyond their tithe so that they could meet a mission need. They would hear of a need and they would not, they would not let the plate go by. Even if it was only a euro they had left in their pocket, they would put it to the church in chains and sympathize and empathize with the brethren around the world. Now, friends, people are counting, have enough money for McDonald's on the way home or a pizza. Oh, God, no wonder we're getting fat. No wonder we're getting overweight, friends, with self-indulgence. I pray today that God will stir your heart. I pray today that God will stir my heart. This is a battle I fight with as much as any other man or woman was, but it's a battle worth fighting, friends. And he recalls them. You compassionate upon me. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Some of you have lost promotion. And some of you will lose promotion and work. Some of you will lose employment. Some of you, friends, will be put in prison in time. I don't know when, for the sake of the gospel. But he recalls these times. These Christians joyfully accepted it. And now somewhere in their journey, just a little apathy set in. A little bit of carelessness comes into them. But he says, don't cast away your confidence. You shall have a great reward, for you have need of endurance. Don't allow your past trials and conflicts count for nothing. Don't, Christian. Oh, I know there's been pain in the battle for many of us, but you're not the only one. There's been disappointment for you. And I thought that was prophetic from Brother Hamp this morning that there is someone here saying, this is my last day in. And God is saying, don't, don't, don't turn. Don't go back. Don't shrink back. I have no pleasure in that. You may be disappointed and God is going to be compassionate to you. You may have good reason or you may have no reason. It might be just your own stubborn pouting. It might be absolutely genuine to the core, but he does not want you to go back. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, whatever is even niggling at you in your mind to not step up to the call of God and to step in what all that God has for you, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's legitimate or illegitimate, stand this morning and say, I'm not, whatever happens, God, you either change me or you change them, oh God, and Lord God, I'm not for moving. We should not be moved. And that's what he's trying to put into these people. Remember, remember, and listen, they endured terrible hostility. He's not writing some sort of platitude here to them. He's not being false about their stand for God. He's not buttering them up in any level. These were true, true men and women of God that had come under intense pressure. Far greater pressure than us, friends. As I said, Nero is out for the Christians. And Judaism had turned sour and bitter against the Christians. And family and friends and commerce, everything stacked against them. But yet in all that, there was this reach of God. And I believe that there was a turning in them. I don't know. I just believe it because I believe the grace of God comes to every generation, every church, every part of the body of Christ will always have the message of God's grace preached to them. And the Holy Spirit is there to augment it into your heart this morning if you should only let him. Holy Spirit wants to bring this. This is a, this is a message that will be re-preached to every congregation in various levels at various times and even, even here many, many, many times over, friends, because it's times when we hit these crossroads in our lives and the propensity of the flesh to take the easy way, to take the easy way out. To, you know, water down the Christian experience, water down the Christian commitment, and become a watery personality. And that's not what God would want of you. And I therefore do not cast away your confidence. It is a great reward for you. Have need of endurance. And after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promises. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. And the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. 
And so when we look at what was happening here, let me bring you back to what drawing back means here. There are some people take an extreme doctrinal view of, of the view of it. He is talking about Christians who are going to go back to Judaism. That's the context. They're, turn, they're making a U-turn. They're saying, okay, well, you know, they accept levels of Jesus, but now they're back to self-endeavor and back to the works of the law and back to the religious Judaism. And let me tell you, friends, when you have received the illumination of who Christ is and you reject that for religion, then I want to tell you, friends, there is no hope for a man or a woman. That is the sin against the Holy Spirit. The sin of the Holy Spirit is to deny the Holy Spirit when it comes to you and illuminates Christ to you and you say no. You turn away. And so there is that, that fear in these, for these brethren that they're going to go back to Judaism. They're going to leave that. You know, and he, when he talks about, you know, if, if you sin, there's no more. There is, let me read it to you again. But if we sin willfully, and of course what he's talking about to them, the word sin means to miss the mark. It means if you're going to miss the mark about Jesus here and deliberately go back to the law and, and miss that mark, there is no sacrifice for you. There is no way through. Even under the old covenant, by two witnesses you were condemned. How much more under the new covenant? How are you going to stand before God and say, well, Jesus wasn't enough? How are you going to stand before God and say, well, I had to add the works of the law. I had to do the Jewish thing. Or whatever, the Catholic thing. Or whatever, the Buddhist thing. Or whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. It wasn't enough. I want to tell you, friends, that is the most dangerous thing you can stand before God. Because if any one of us had a son or a daughter that laid down their lives to somebody else, and that person would come up and say, well, we thank you very much, but it really wasn't enough. I could have done it myself. The, the, your son laid down his life. Really, it was, it was, it was without merit. It didn't, he didn't need to do that. I could have done it my own way. It was basically wasted on me. Oh, well, maybe Jesus is needed by those born-again freaks and those drug addicts, but, you know, I can do it my way. There's something in that mentality, friends, that is so affronted by God, that is so insulting to the work of Calvary. It's a deliberate thing. It's not about a man falling into a sin or a woman falling into a sin. It's not an area of failing of the flesh. That's not what he's on about. He's on about the deliberate turning away from Jesus as the source and back to the works of the law. He's not saying as a Christian, as many would want to hear this morning, but it's not true, that if you happen to have a bad moment as a Christian and you sin even deliberately, that there is no repentance. No, he's not on about that. He's not on about transgression. He's on about missing the mark. That's what sin means. To miss the mark. To miss the point. To move away from the centrality of the gospel back to the beggarly elements of Judaism. I'm telling you, I see today with the messianic movements, not all of it, but much of it. And all of a sudden, they're back and they're blowing their chauffeurs. And they're wearing their keeper hats and they're doing all things uh, Jewish. Uh, Gentiles jumping around like Jews. It's kind of ridiculous. It's like Englishmen celebrating St. Patrick's Day. I wouldn't get that either. It's incredible, friends. Try to embrace that which God has rejected. And that's no longer part of the package. The two shall become one new man. In the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Hallelujah. We can look back and draw much from our Old Testament. And actually, that is the word of God. We can see the journey. We can see the honing out of the plan. We can see God using a nation out of that nation, bringing forth a child, amen, a savior of the world. We can see God. We can see how that nation turned from them. We can see how God gave a promise, a future promise for that nation. But it's about the body of Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews is contrasting the sin as regards to leaving Christ, friends, and turning away. And it starts through neglect. It starts with a little folding of the arms. It starts with a little careless behavior as Christians. The just shall live by faith. By grace are ye saved through faith. That act of faith in the work of Christ is what's going to be challenged every single day of your Christian life. And for you and for I, friends, the the battle is not about transgression. That's covered. The battle is about faith. The battle is for your faith. Because not are you saved in a moment of faith, you journey. It's, that is the thing that's under attack all the time. In your, you may think, oh no, it's my, my anger issues. Or it's my, my, whatever issues you may have in your life. No, friends, the issue is not that. The issue is to stand and believe in the complete work of Christ. That even in my bad day, that work still covers me. And that's my faith. I don't feel very good about myself, and I shouldn't. But I know one thing, he hasn't changed towards me. And that's faith. And when I declare that, there comes that empowering of the Holy Spirit. Even in my worst moment, I will not, I cannot, I must not, and don't let anybody else condemn you. I'm sure there's many here, and I've had unflattering times in my life where others can condemn me, but I won't wear it now. It was as wrong and as evil for me to practice or say something like that or do something like that as as it would be for you. But I am righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ. And as I simply come back to that point, there is a work of grace done in me. And that's what the whole pointing of the Scripture is. Pointing us back into this, friends. But there is a battle for faith. Not only are you saved by faith, you must now live by faith. It's a walk of faith. It means that when my natural flesh fails, my heart and my flesh fail. But my faith says, God is the strength of my life and my portion. My heart and my flesh fail, but God is the strength of my life. And you will go through many deserts where you feel that's just a mantra. But I want to tell you, in the middle of that desert, you'll hit an oasis of the glory and presence of God. And you'll come through that desert eventually with a testimony that God has kept me through all the vices of my natural nature and the world around me. God has kept me. These 30, these 40, these 50 years, whatever it may be in your life, you'll be able to stand. And and when, when your life comes to the end of days, you can say, what a great, great life it has been. What a great, great salvation. What a wonderful God we serve. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. I remember the street preaching. I remember standing in the schools. What an awful place to be. Listen, young people who are in school today, been there, bought the t-shirt, I'm never going back. I admire you. You are my hero to endure Christianity in the school place because it's blooming hard. Schools, college, where you're ridiculed and ostracized. I remember those days as a kid, but Jesus kept me. He kept me, he'll keep you. I didn't deny him. I had sometimes had actions where somebody got the right hand of fellowship rather than an embrace because my temper broke from time to time. But I tell you, God kept me. Amen. And God will keep you. Remember. Remember Krishna's earlier days. Remember bearing the reproach of Christ. 
remember standing at the summer for our conferences, the weekends, in the presence of God, you felt if you opened your eyes, you'd see Jesus. Remember those times where he so touched you. Remember those times when you felt his presence so gracefully near you. That's what he's encouraging him to do. And he says this to them to reassure them. We are not those who draw back to perdition, to destruction. But those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now friends, in a world today that is turning its back in every orthodoxy, may it be said of you and I, we are not those who turn back to perdition. And even though it might be wearisome, and I'm sure it is at times, I know it is at times, and I know it's not easy, and I know the pressures are intense, but remember the former days. I want you to go back and visit your testimony. I want you to remember what the Lord did in your life. John and Carmen, I'm looking at you. I can't believe it's 34 years when you got married because I thought you look too young for that. But look back at those early days of the romance and the love that kept you. But look back to the love and romance of Christ that kept you and brought you together. And friends, I want to say today, as God gives us breath and opportunity to remember all that he's done, Malachi chapter 1. I have loved ye with an everlasting love. And they retort unto me, how have I loved, how have you loved us? And God speaks to speak, I have loved you and kept you. And borne you on eagles' wings. And then they retort back, well, how we've neglected you. You've neglected me by, uh, by sacrificing to me deficient sacrifices. The, main, the, the lame and the blind and the broken. And I want to say, Christian, today, if your life is a life of lame, broken promises to God, lame, broken attendance, lame, broken Bible reading, lame, broken concern for souls, it's a time for you to start fixing that very quickly. It's a time for you to start taking cognizance of your, your Christian walk. Because if you don't, you'll go exactly the direction that these Hebrews did. You'll go back, you'll justify an existence that is unjustifiable in the Scripture. You'll sear your conscience. But that is not what God wants for you. There is a power to sustain you. Keep your faith alive. Stand in the day of darkness, friends, and stand with your eyes fixed upon Jesus. He talks about you just living by faith. And then he goes into chapter 11. As I said, Hebrews rolls out here beautifully. Chapter 11, he goes through all those men and women who endured hostilities, you know, sawn asunder, you know, pilloried, it talks about these great men and women of faith. And then it goes into chapter 12. Therefore, because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, not only you remembering what God did for you, but remember what God did in other people's lives and how God moved through history and formed his testimony. And he says, now you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us, let us run this race, friends. He says, let me read it because it's one that says, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured at the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against themselves, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You have not resisted to bloodshed, 
striving against sin. I pray to God, I pray for our church, court church. My burden is always here in the house first. It's for the wider body, nationally and globally. But my prayers for you, right here, those in front of me, those who are watching us online in court church, and those, it's for everyone, but it always begins in, in our own house. Remember what God has done for you. Recall the salvation, the mercy, the moments, the blessings. He opened your eyes. To, we're the only ones that, listen, let me let, if anyone's watching from the outside is not a Christian, I make no apologies for this. We're the only ones that really know what's going on in this world. Can you say amen? We are. The rest haven't got a clue that they're under the powers of darkness. Their eyes are darkened. They don't understand. They're just being puppeted by darkness. We understand there's a fight on for souls. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. They have no understanding of that. People look at the coronavirus and think it's just a virus. We know that God's working. We know that the birth pains are happening. We know that the end of all things is near. We know that mankind is funneling towards an end game here. We know it instinctively, friends, because we know the scripture. God has opened your eyes. God has set you above your peers. Yeah. I'm not saying that as an arrogant move either. I'm just saying that's a reality. I don't care. Your boss might have 10 times more education than you and 10 times more money, but he doesn't know what you know. He doesn't know what the real situation is. You do. You understand where it's all going. Now it's time for you to stand again. Remember, you're privileged. At least you know what it's all about. Now know where it's going. Now is not a time for you to shrink back. Now is not a time for you to fold their arms and take it easy and make it convenient. Now is not the time, friends. You don't have the luxury of that. This is a time where it's all in. I said it before and I say it again. He's worth everything or he's worth nothing. Why don't you make that decision today? Which one do you say he's worth? He's worth everything or nothing because there's no middle ground. Don't shrink back, Christian. Believe. Keep walking in faith. And God will bring you the rewards of that faith, friends. There's going to be rewards. He talks about that later on. He actually talks about it there as well. Would you stand with me this morning? If you in your heart are saying, Pastor, you know I, I, I so want to be this burning light again for Christ. I so want to be the Christian that I was once. I so want to return to be all that you would have me to be because there was a time in all our lives where we glowed with the presence of God. We did. People knew we were with Jesus. They knew something was up, man. They knew there was something different about you because there was. But now, the cares of this world, the kids are keeping me up at night, I have a new baby here. I've got, I'm doing shift work. I've got a big mortgage now. I'm getting older. I've put my time in. There's some here, oh, well, I've already served in crash. Thank you very much. I've already done this. I've, I've done it all. Now it's time for me just to go out to graze. Well, if you think that, then I would look over your shoulder because not too far from now, you're going to go see God because when your work is finished, you get translated. Your work isn't finished. Your work has only started to begin, friends. Put your hand back on the plow and look onto Jesus and you will have the rewards of that life, which is absolutely the presence of God and the provision of God. You will have the Elijah experiences in the midst of a, war, a world that's falling apart. You're still being fed. Isn't it amazing how God fed us all during this pandemic? 
not just physically, but even spiritually, how God made a way to our hearts through the lenses of cameras and other ways in his presence of the sweet Holy Spirit in our homes. Don't shrink back. Don't let a lifetime of believing and serving be robbed towards the end of your days. Don't let it. Finish strong, Christian. And finish well. Hallelujah. Close your eyes with me. Come on, just for a moment. I'm just going to lead us in worship. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to finish strong. I actually want to finish stronger than when I started. That would be a great marker for most of us. I want to be so given to the work of God that men and women would see me as a devout man, not to give praise to me, but praise to you. I want to be known for Christian attributes and not for anything else, Lord, not for what I achieved in this world, not for what I achieved in the workplace. I want to be known. I want to be known as a man or woman that has given everything to Christ because he gave everything to me. So, Father, we, we understand, Lord, what you were dealing with the Hebrew Christians, Lord, and the, the journey they were on, Lord, and the difficult moment they hit on the road. And I believe, Lord God, I have no cause other than in my spirit to believe that when the writer wrote this to these believers, I believe this, it sparked something in them because they were yours. And Lord, I believe, Lord God, that he lifted their eyes to a higher reality of who they truly were. And they started to walk in faith again. And Lord, they saw, oh Lord, they lived and they died in that Nero's persecution. But they left behind, Lord, a testament that shook that empire to the very core and changed the world. And I pray for us, God, that we too would live it in like manner. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive us. Forgive us our absolute apathy, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for tolerating that which we should never tolerate. Forgive us for shying away, Lord. And forgive us for making theological reasons why we can. They may sound good and eloquent and all that, but at the end of the day, it, it hurt. Not just your testimony, but it hurt our own lives. It's hurt our children, oh God, in some levels, oh God. It's hurt our marriages, Lord. When we went off the boil, everything has changed in our world. Everything changed in our family. Everything changed in our lives. And so, God, we come back this morning to you and we say, Father, Jesus, you are superior to angels. You are superior to every action a man can make to save himself. You are more powerful than Aaron and Moses. Lord, you are more powerful, Lord, than any lamb or sheep or sacrifice that a man could lay hold of and give. You are the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You are the great I am. And Lord God, we just enamor, Lord, and we just rest in who you are. We say we bless you today. And we say we love you today, Lord. We say we extol your name, Lord. And we say you are king of our life, O oh Lord. And you're king of every area of our life. And Lord, we are Christian people, Lord. And for us, Lord, we want to live by faith. And we want to finish well, Lord. We want to finish, Lord, strong. And I pray, God, for every man and woman that's the, that, that has that as a cry in their heart, that this very moment this morning, you will release a grace upon them. That, Lord, there doesn't have to be thunders and lightnings. There just needs to be dropped into the quiet of their heart that they are going to now put one foot in front of the next and finish strong in this Christian life. They will not turn back, Lord, to religion. They will not turn back to the social life, oh God. And I pray, God, for those, Lord, I've, I've had students come to our Bible school, Lord, men and women, Lord, with great, great promises on their life great prophecies over them. Now they went back to the beggarly elements, oh God, back to the vomit of this world. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring them back, God. I pray, Lord God, you will open their eyes that they would remember the early days that they too stood, Lord. 
Many of them stood out in open airs alongside me, Lord, and others here, God. Many of them took insult from family and friends in the world, and they were glad about it, Lord. But somewhere along the line, Lord, they folded the arms, they gave in. But now we pray for a regathering of the backslider. We pray, Lord, that they were sober again, just like God, the prodigal, Lord. They will go back to their father's house, oh God. And I pray, Lord, as they come back now, even here in Cork Church and further, Lord, put the ring again on their finger, Lord. Put the covering over them, Jesus. And Lord God, reassure them of your love, oh God. I pray right now, God, that all of us, every man, woman, boy and girl in this church will be known as true Christians. Help us, God. Help us in Jesus' name, Lord, to stand for you. Come on, church, begin to worship the Lord this morning. He is superior to angels, amen. He is superior to Moses. He is superior to the Aaronic heritage, friends. He is superior to all religion. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he deserves our worship this morning. He deserves all the glory and all the honor. Come on, worship him and say, God, I have been so lacking in my worship. I've been so lacking, Lord God, in my heartfelt thanks to you, Lord God. You went to Calvary and you shed your precious blood for me and I have taken it for granted. Christian, don't trample it underfoot. Don't take it for granted, but rejoice this morning in what he has done and love him and thank him and let his glory touch your life. For the just shall live by faith. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com again thanks for tuning in and see you next time god bless